Hello, everybody. This is Old School Sport, and this is a special edition, not only because it is an NFL preview, but I have not one, but two degenerates joining me today. Two of my long-time friends, Peter Versicio and Oliver Minor, fellas. Thank you, I think, very much for joining me. What it do? Yeah, yeah. You'll, <laughs> yep. uh, you'll tell us if it was worth it. Yeah, I really so just want to warn everyone. I apologize in advance. I really don't know what to expect. Um, I expect Peter to take I. this decently seriously. And then Oliver is a wild card. So, And yep. uh, this might be really fun. I'm excited, but I almost this also might be very regrettable. So Yeah, we th- might. <laughs> Everything might be cut off pretty soon. So, Thanks for having me back on. <laughs> we, might, we might get canceled after this. Pretty soon, yeah. So this is an NFL preview. The NFL season is just right around the corner next week, guys. I don't know about you, but I am very excited. So before we take a look into the upcoming 2020 season, I want to recap some of the biggest things that happened this past offseason. And you guys can weigh in if you have a different opinion, but I think obviously the biggest thing that happened this season was Tom Brady, New England Patriots, legendary quarterback, decided to leave after two decades and join the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And Peter, I will start off with you because you had to deal with Brady on a annual basis two times a year as a Jets fan. What were your initial thoughts, and how happy are you that he's out of your division? Well, I was going to say, I have written down here, I like it from a Jets perspective, obviously. And from a general football standpoint, too, I think the Buccaneers are a genuine good fit. You drop them into the offense, and they already have two top-flight receivers, great tight ends, and he brings Rob Gronkowski with him. I think with all that factored in, I I don't see how this could possibly go wrong. Obviously... I could be sitting here in nine months and look like an idiot, but I don't anticipate I will be. But, uh, I mean, again, from a football standpoint, I like it. I think he needed to get out of New England. Like, Bill Belichick kind of will take his wear on people. He's a, he's one of the more abrasive head coaches, but you can be as abrasive as you want if you win six Super Bowls. So, Peter, just going off of that point real quick, I mean, we've joked about it, but I'm actually very interested to see it down the line. How much of it do you think is true that they had a rocky relationship, especially towards the latter part of their careers, of uh, Brady's career? The last couple of seasons, let's say. Well, I think you're clarifying. (laughs) A lot of stuff came out that um, he was like it, it only became rocky towards the way end like the last couple of years and i don't know how much of that was just being kept in house but like for, i mean for the most part i i think i think eventually like over time you're gonna if, if like every year you are consistently putting in work you're gonna eventually feel unappreciated if you don't get the recognition that you feel you deserve yeah no. and from everything i've heard it was all about like and he which i think makes sense from their winning perspective but every single time effectively he was doing all this stuff and felt like he deserved more recognition, but he was treated like a regular person, which again works very well if you're winning, which they were, but if you're not winning, that's a huge issue. Yeah. No. And, I... Oh, continue. Yeah. Sorry. No, no, that's all I got. No, I, I was going to say, I agree with you. I, I find it amazing that there could be tension when you are winning as much as the Patriots did uh, six championships yet. 
I do think both their egos came into play, and I think both of them would like more credit than the other, and I think that's what led to some tension between the two sides. So I definitely mm-hmm. think that there was some truth to it. However, I do believe that winning does make everything better and hides the fact uh, hides the poor relationship more times than not. Oliver, what were your thoughts when he decided to go to Tampa Bay? So I think this team has nine and seven written all over it now. I don't know if that's a good or bad thing at the moment. Um, obviously they expanded the playoffs, so nine and seven will probably get you a pretty decent spot already. Plus, if they're not doing any home crowds, I'm not sure if home field advantage is gonna be a particular issue for this kind of thing. So I think nine and seven's okay if they can reach to that point. My issue is that I think this is a lot more hype than there is actual talent here. I mean, obviously, oh, the go, the go. Yeah, fine. He's 42 years old. He has no offensive line and he has no running back. Partner that with the fact that he's in one of the toughest divisions of football, if not the toughest, arguably. I think that obviously you have the na- the big names there. You have Mike Evans, Godwin, Gronkowski, Brady. Fine. But at the same time, I mean, like I said before, there's there's issues all over the offensive line. They don't have a running game, so you know that Brady in the Bruce Arian system is going to be launching the ball 45 times at least. Is he capable of doing that at this point of his career? I don't know. I mean, we'll have to see what happens. I mean, you also you also have the defense. That's an, another issue for another time. But I, I think there's too many variables and too much hype around this for it to go well. Kind of like the Browns, how everyone kind of thought there was just there's all this talent, you know, and there's this new quarterback coming in. And how can it go wrong? But at the end of the day, there's so many holes that you're going to see during the season that I think that it's tough. I just don't want to jump the gun and just say that this is going to be an instant, instant, you know, Super Bowl contender when there's just so many other factors at play here. No, I agree. And I really think that on paper, it's one of those on paper teams that I think that everyone gets so hyped up about. Like, like you said, you see Tom Brady, you see weapons like Mike Evans, you see Rob Gronkowski coming back out of retirement to join forces. But I think you made some good points. Again, Brady is not a dual threat quarterback, never has been, and especially above the age of 40 he's not going to be moving around the pocket as well as he used to I think that having a poor offensive line is very very dangerous with Brady because we have seen him get rattled under pressure I don't have to tell you about the two times Super Bowl 42 and Super Bowl 46 Oliver but I don't think I I watched those yeah yeah but but Brady does get rattled under pressure I will say, Oliver, the only point that I might disagree with you on is I don't think that Brady's ever really had a true running game to even things out. However, I do agree with you that they do not, the Buccaneers do not have a running back, a solid running game. And at this point in his career, I think it is even more critical to help Brady out that way. I don't think he can throw the ball 40, 45 times each game and win and compete at a high level that defense to me is also suspicious so i'm not a big i'm not jumping on the brady buccaneers bandwagon just yet and i think another key point that is critical and we'll talk about how the pandemic affects it but this was a not this was not a traditional off season there were no preseason games there is a lot less time to get comfortable, to get acclimated with his teammates, with that new playbook. He even talked about how it was the first time in 19 years that he was 
learning something new. So I think we're going to see that not only at the start of the season, but throughout the entire season. And I think you're going to see Brady struggle. I think you saw it towards the end of last year, definitely in the playoff game against the Titans. I think Father Time is finally starting to catch up to Brady. I have... Well, I'm not I'm not doubting that Father Time is going to catch up to Brady because it catches up to everybody ever. But yeah. I have... I think there's something to be said about the fact that the Buccaneers were... If I'm not wrong, they were seven and nine last year, and they usually are. Yeah, they usually are. But last time <laughs> I checked, their quarterback threw 30 interceptions. That's true. That is true. So if you if you subtract if you if you even half that to 15, you've got to think that in 15 more positive possessions, or if you give Brady 15 more possessions, they have a very different record than they do now. I I mean I'm not going to go ahead and say they're going to be. 11 and 5, 12 and 4, but I think 10 and 6 is a, a definite possibility. And well, especially with there being an extra playoff spot, I think they can make some noise. No, I agree. And anything can happen once you make the postseason. As long as you get in, anything can happen. And Peter, I do think you raise a good point with the, the 30 interceptions. If you cut those in half, 15, right? Who knows? Then you then you have 15 more possessions in your favor. Even if those seven, seven of the 15, eight of the 15, just lead the field goals, that's a much more successful drive than just turning the ball over. And, and I don't, I don't know the number right off my head, but Winston threw 30 interceptions. He also had a fair amount of pick sixes that led to points for the other team. So if you erase those as well, your team should be in a better spot to win more football games. Absolutely. Yeah. Alvar, anything else? I mean, I'm not, I don't hate on what you said. I just think that along with the 30 picks, he threw 30 touchdowns. If my numbers and math are correct, I don't know. (laughs) If we're going to get that same output from Brady, I mean, like I said, the guy's 45 years old. He's towards the end of his career. Like, you, you have to figure – I mean, it, it comes down to a simple numbers game. You have probably eight or nine going to Mike Evans, eight or nine going to Godwin. Gronk, I mean, there's no way he's catching more than six without getting hurt by week nine. I just don't know <laughs> if Brady can even match the number of touchdowns Winston throws to where you could even make the argument that they're going to get to 10 and six. That's why I think nine and seven, I think there's a lot of variables here in place. That's why I think nine and seven is a pretty conservative down the line number. Um, but that's kind of where I have my right now. And that's, and, and I mean, if he proves me wrong, he proves me wrong, but I mean, there's not many 45 year old quarterbacks or whatever number you want, whatever number he is that can put out this much, um, put out this many numbers. That's just, that's just me though. Agreed. And, in addition to sorry, win- unless you're Brett Favre on the Vikings. Sorry, sorry. Go ahead though. Which Brett Favre when he threw the uh, interception in the NFC Championship well, game? No, that well there was Bounty Gate behind that. Oh, so okay, okay. No, I wasn't sure. Yeah. Also, in addition no, to Winston's thirty touchdowns, he did lead the league in passing, and I do not expect that from Tom Brady. I think timing will also be an issue with his team. I think there's no question that the Buccaneers have more weapons than the Patriots did last season. I just think that timing and chemistry is going to play an issue. And everyone wants to say that Gronk coming back is a big deal. Let's be honest. We know Gronk's personality. I'm not saying that he's not in good shape, football shape. However, let's be honest. Gronk's personality, he's probably partying more days than he was actually in the gym. So let's see how much of his time off took a tour toll on him 
I just have this. That. I have this quick to say. I just looked it up quick, and six of the Buccaneers' losses were a single possession loss. So if you take into account the Jameis thirty interceptions, if you have fifteen possessions and you spread it out equally amongst all the games, let's say you have one extra possession a game, that could result in three, four wins from Brady. I, I like, and they were in, so they went seven and nine last year. I don't see how they don't go nine and seven, ten and six plus. Yeah, that's a good point. Do you think this team wins with Brady just being a game manager, though? Because well, again, while we talked about his thirty interceptions, we did talk about Jameis Winston's big numbers as well. Good point. I mean. They've won the last 20 years on the Patriots with him being a game manager, so I don't know why. Well, that's – I don't think the last 20 years as a game manager. I think you could say yeah. he was more of a system quarterback, but to say game manager – What's the difference? I mean, what's the difference? I think that he Alex threw 50 Smith, touchdowns I, in 2007. I, that, I mean, say that again? I got, I got nothing for that. He, he, say that again? He had 50 touchdowns in 2007. He yeah, was a multiple-time well, I mean, MVP. Well, yeah, game managers game. don't win MVPs, well, Oliver. Well, well, can you not cut me off and be a decent show host for a second? I think, I think I've Randy given Moss. you a lot of time, Oliver. With with Randy Ma- with Randy Moss, you're tr- managing the game means sometimes you have to throw forty to fifty touchdowns in a season. That's just that was the man that was the game Stop. that they were managing at that time. What do you mean? No, there's not. Okay, first off, you can't throw game manager and fifty touchdowns. Yeah, exactly. Season. It doesn't work. Well, I mean, Alex Smith never won, never threw fifty touchdowns. Came close. No, no, okay. Pull up the stat where he came close to fifty touchdowns, Oliver. No, he didn't come close. I was yeah, just kidding. Okay. Yeah. All right, so let's move on. You digress. <laughs> I digress. Yes. Brady wasn't the only quarterback to change teams. Phil Rivers <laughs> after. And overrated career with the San Diego Chargers, L.A. Chargers. Yep. He moved on to Indianapolis. Bust. What happened, Peter? Never mind. Go ahead. That was Oliver. Sorry. Sorry, Peter. Um, Cam Newton takes Brady's spot in New England. DeAndre Hopkins was traded to Arizona from Houston. Bill O'Brien doing one hell of a job ruining that team down in Houston. Teddy mm-hmm. Bridgewater was signed by the Panthers. Peter, sorry. Jamal Adams was traded to Seattle. Oliver, We're not talk about it. We we might. The Vikings just acquired Yannick. How do you say his name? Yannick Ngakwe. Okay, yeah. And so much more happened, but guys, I want to know. Of the offseason acquisitions, trades, free agent signings, who do you think will have the biggest a- impact on their new team? Um, uh, I'll I'll, uh, yeah, Peter, you go, I'll go first. Yeah. Uh, Phil Rivers, I think, to the Colts is going to be – I don't think it's going to be tremendous, but I think that they're going to be able to be at least a formidable team in the playoffs for a little bit because we always talk about how Phil Rivers' big problem. He always put up numbers. He always was kind of on the outside looking in for being not necessarily elite, but one of like maybe top seven. And now he comes to a team that is – quoted as having the best young O-line in the entire league. And when I think when you address, like, your your team's biggest issue... Now, they didn't have Mike Williams and Keenan Allen, but I think T.Y. Hilton will at least soften the blow a little bit. They still have Doyle. Uh, I, I think Phil Rivers is going to work pretty well on the Colts. I don't, I'm not going to go as far to say they're going to be a contender, but I think they'll... I mean, we'll get, we'll get more to it, but I think they'll win their division with moderate ease. 
Oliver. So in terms of the Colts, um, I actually disagree quite quite a bit on this take. Um, the way I view the Colts is similar to, let's say you just got dumped, right? You're used to that, Victor, right? I when mean... you need to get a quick <laughs> rebound, you know, sometimes you have to have a little fling with a 35-year-old up crowd. You know, you know it's not going to work out. You know it's not going to be a long-term solution. But sometimes they have a little bit left in them, and you want to experiment a little bit and see what's out there. That's what I think the Colts are for the 2020 season. I think that, obviously, with Rivers, you're going to have a higher floor. I I think that the Phillip Rivers I know, I think you're not going to lose below six games just because of you know how Phil is, how he gets in the fourth quarter. He always finds himself down. Doesn't always find a way, but he always keeps him in it, and he's good enough to get him to six to seven wins per season, which I guess marks – I guess that's good enough for the Hall of Fame by some standards, not for me. But I don't think Phil Rivers is I'm a definite Hall of Famer. Fine. All right, well, okay. For argument's sake, we'll say that. So is Eli. But anyway. Well, um, there's a big difference between him and Eli. Yeah, yeah, and we'll get to that. Two big reasons. Segment. Nope, I don't know about that. I didn't put that as a segment, Oliver. Yeah. Anyway. Is there a segment for getting carried by your defense? Uh, if you not. go guess, back, they were like actually one of the worst out. defenses in 2011. He had seven yep. fourth-quarter comebacks, and yeah, he had the greatest way. throw in not only Super Bowl history, but possibly NFL history, but continue. Do you feel good yep. Do you feel good about David Tyree having stickums on his head? Okay, continue. This is not turning into Eli Manning hour, guys. Continue. Like I was it. saying. At the end of the day, I, I disagree with Peter's take as I, I believe the original question was the biggest offseason acquisition. Yep. You need I me to say it again? Rivers. I don't think it's Philip Rivers. I went with DeAndre Hopkins to the Cardinals for the reason being that you can obviously say that, you know, it's a new system. It might not be a great offensive line, whatever. With, the, with DeAndre Hopkins, he's proven for the last – eight years has it been that he can play under who Brandon Whedon, Tom Savage, Ryan Mallett, TJ Yates. The Yates of hell was a starting quarterback <laughs> for him for a few games. If the Yates of hell, if DeAndre Hopkins can produce with the Yates of hell, and Brock Osweiler, we, I mean, we're just throwing names out there. If he can succeed with these names, I think he can do quite well with a former number one overall pick and a former first-round pick in not one, but two different professional sports. How many professional sports have you played, Victor? None, Oliver. Oliver, yes. this isn't, so this guy's Wait, this isn't have, about attacking me. I have this me. to say about that. I have this to say about that. Go I ahead, think, Peter. And I, ahead. I agree with you. I agree with you <laughs> that he's had horrendous quarterbacks throughout his career. Well, Deshaun Watson's going to be something, but that that's not the point because they traded him away. I think – the bigger issue, not that there's an issue with DeAndre Hopkins and the Cardinals, because I think it's going to work, but I think people are going to expect value from him, or not value per se, but production from him on par with what he did in Houston. I don't think he's going to see that part, that production because he's also sharing the field with Christian Kirk and Larry Fitzgerald, who both are very ingrained in the offense and were there. Like, I mean, Fitzgerald has been there for as long as I can remember. And Christian Kirk is every year I hear about how he's going to break out. And he had a pretty good year last year. So now you're going to add DeAndre Hopkins in and expect him to have 1,500 yards. 
I just don't see it from that no, perspective. I think I mean, he's going to help the team. I don't think it's also always going to show up on the stat sheet, though. I'm not saying he's going to have 1,500 yards, but I'm going to say he'll have 11, 1,200 yards and double-digit touchdowns, which I don't think by his standards is a lot to ask for. I also think that, you know, Larry Fitzgerald, who's – I mean, he's at least 35 years old. Like, he is uh, – you, you can say he's a Hall of Famer, fine – but you can't just sit here and tell me that he's a top 30 receiver right now. Sure, he's got great hands. I think he's a... definitely a top 30 receiver, Oliver. Oh, my God. When you, when, when you have less than an 82 overall speed in Madden, and I know you can give me all um, the video games, it doesn't translate. Fine. Larry Fitzgerald is not a top 30 receiver. He was maybe five years ago. I don't think that you can make the same case now. His hands are great. But, I mean, he's not the same player he used to be. And Christian Kirk, he's fine, but he's also not even in the top 30 or 40 players in terms of wide receivers. So, I mean, I think that the competition, I think that DeAndre Hopkins has solidified the number one role there, and I think he's going to get most of the target share. With that being said, I, 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 I just think that there's so many things in place, in, including the fact that this is his first offensive head coach, being Cliff Kingsbury, since he's been in the NFL. I think that everything is in place here for Hopkins to succeed in that system. Yeah, I think you make some good points. Honestly, DeAndre Hopkins was mine, Oliver. I, I first off, I think yeah. it's what copycat, but it is a copycat league, so that makes sense. Go yeah. ahead. Okay. Oh, thank yep. you, thank you for letting me talk on my podcast. No I think problem. I think it helps so much with Kyler Murray's uh, development and production as a rising star in this league some people have him as a rising star i'm not sold on him just yet but i think you look back at the last couple of years and right off the top of the head antonio brown before he got psychotic julio jones and deandre hopkins i think are the three best receivers the last couple of seasons i think that it was a fantastic trade for the arizona cardinals not even giving up a first round draft pick for him because Bill O'Brien has no idea what he's doing as a general manager. Yeah. I think he's the first coach to get CTE. People forget that. Yeah. Yeah. I heard about that, but I think that it just makes that Cardinals offense. And like you said, Oliver Kingsbury, he's an offensive minded coach. I think that Cardinals offense. Rocket. Yes. I, Go think, ahead. I think that it just, it, <laughs> it just makes them a formidable and dangerous team. Moving forward, definitely on the offensive side of the ball, they worked on their defense side as well. I also really like the the Colts. I didn't love Phil Rivers, and honestly, I didn't love Phil Rivers because to me, he didn't show anything on the Chargers last season to me that said, "Wow, all he needed was a better team and he could lead a team to the Super Bowl." To me, Phil Rivers, looking back on his career, he's definitely had his fair share of comeback moments, but more times than not, he's been disappointing. I think that Jacoby Brissett didn't get a full fair shot last season alone. Remember, Andrew Luck waited till the last moment to announce his retirement. It threw Brissett to the wall. What do you mean disgusting, Oliver? Yeah, I feel like he would have had his mind made a couple of weeks ago. He could okay. have prepared them better. Okay, it threw okay, Brissett but I'll say, to Victor, the wall. Victor, hold on, though. I, I don't think you can say Jacoby Brissett did not have a fair shot. I mean, a couple of guys got injured throughout the season. T.Y. Hilton missed some there's, time. There's injuries in injuries every Injuries are a part game. of football. No, I know, but he didn't even have a full training camp as the starting quarterback. I think that I think the people who actually needed to know knew that Andrew Luck was considering getting out. 
So are we gonna? I don't know. It seemed we, like a pretty big excuse? surprise to what? What? It's a pretty so big surprise to his teammates. What? Are we going to make the excuse then if he doesn't have the full training camp? But now this year, can we make yep. the excuse then for anyone that they didn't have all four preseason games? So we have no idea how talented they are. Are we going? Well, I think that, that I think that? that's something we had to take into consideration because remember right, there so. wasn't a full off season. There wasn't any preseason games. I think the first couple of weeks of the NFL is going to be poor quality. All right. Poor quality. Yeah. Uh, uh, to uh, regular NFL standards, now yes, it's not going to be me running around on the football field. But I think compared to years past, I think we're going to see lesser play from teams. I think we're going to see issues with timing, chemistry, obviously. I think it's going to be a tough transition for rookie players to make that jump from college to the NFL right away. I think we're going to – and it's already tough enough in the regular – full year of the NFL for rookies. I think so many people, so many different types of players are going to be affected with this pandemic that affected the football offseason. Wouldn't you say that'll set the playing field equal then if everyone's going to be affected by it? No, I, I agree with that, but some guys need more time to learn. I'm not saying that like I think that if some guys make that jump earlier, okay, that's great for them. But I don't think it's fair to hold everyone accountable in the odd year like this one. All right. So it'll be it'll be a strain on those who have a, a longer learning curve than the ones who do not. Yes, but I don't like the sarcastic tone behind I was just trying to dissect that. your linguistics. <laughs> I do think – I do think – that this year will show who's mentally tough and who's not, who's able to learn faster on the go than others. But I don't think that it's fair just to write someone off based on this year alone. I think that if they're able to catch on faster, then they're a step above and they're ways ahead. But I don't think that this year alone you can write anyone off or say that they're a bust or not say that they're worse than they are. You know what I mean? No, I agree with that. I think, I think that's fair. I think you got to wait at least another year to make any, any presumptions, but you're still going to be swayed a little bit by this year. Yes. Yes. And, and I think that, I think that if you've seen like, so with rookies, I think for the most part, they get a pass, right? Unless they really drop the ball. However, with some coaches, You've seen enough to know that they're not the answer. Or with some players, you know that they're not the answer. And moving forward, you have to make that change because otherwise you're just going to delay your organization a year later. It's true. Yeah, I I guess some people sometimes are just more worried about their job security than the overall um, progression of the team throughout the years. But that's another argument, I think, for another time, Victor. Yeah, thank you, Albert. But... Getting back to Phil Rivers real quick, I just I, I don't see it. I, I really think that there are expectations for this Colts team now that Phil Rivers. To me, I would have went with Brissett for another year, but drafted a quarterback in one of the mid rounds and used him as a developmental project sort of thing. I I always go back to this and this is the last thing I'll say on the subject. When your best player on your team is a left guard, you're, you're not that good of a team. Yeah, okay. yeah. That's kind of what it comes down to. Even though I, I would, 
I don't agree with that whatsoever. All right. Well, well, I, I think. I mean, Peter, go ahead. Sorry. No, no. I mean, I mean, he. When you have a transcendent guard, it's obviously going to work. Like I, I think that to say that your worst player, if if your best player is an offensive lineman, how are the best offensive lineman different? Offensive. Well, I think a guard. Is oh, so still... so what is a guard? Where does a guard play? On the offensive line for clarification. I'm saying but if I'm, it's a left tackle or a center, then I think you can make the case. But I think as a guard, which is the least important a position. A center? I don't think, no. no. So okay, fine, so off, fine. That'll I, help my I argument even say, more then. I think, I think that when you build a great offensive line, if you simply have a great offensive line, you will be a mediocre team. It's when you place weapons around them that you become a good team. So if your starting piece is a tremendous transcendent offensive lineman, that's something that I think you can build on. I don't think that's something that's worth dismissing. I just think that left tackle, even center, are way more important than a guard is. I think that the uh, uh, getting get, uh, uh, having a good guard is the equivalent on the defensive side of having a really good defensive tackle, like an Aaron Donald or something. But if you don't have a defensive end that can get to the quarterback, I don't think it's going to get you as many places as it would be on the other side. But th- that's that's just my my take on the subject. I mean, I think they have they have more issues. Um, I mean, not, not that I think they have many issues on the Colts. I think that there's more yeah. problems to be worried about. Than I that, actually but. tell me what you guys think. I actually prefer the DeForest Buckner trade than I do the Philip Rivers signing. Yes, I actually wanted to touch on that, but that's for another segment. But I do want to get into that as well. <laughs> yeah, Oliver, you keep saying that's for another segment. You can just, just say just, it. Yeah. Yeah. I like to let have you lead it. All right. Anyway. Yeah. Okay. He's but, our point guard. Yeah. Okay. He's like a yeah. shitty Chris Paul. <laughs> right. No, I'm definitely better than Chris Paul. DJ Augustine, if you will. Yeah. Raymond, stop. Raymond Felton. Raymond Felton. Oh, yeah. yeah dude, like dude, the first time around with the Knicks. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But, okay. So, we, we put in me and Oliver both agreed DeAndre Hopkins. Peter, you went with Phil Rivers. Now, we touched upon this already, so I don't want to spend too much time on it. But if you haven't noticed, Oliver, you're pretty slow with things. There's a pandemic going on. There has been ever since it's what when. February. Yeah, exactly. How do you think this will affect the upcoming NFL season? And I've already touched upon it. I'm more upset about no fans being in attendance than you guys are, mainly because I've had season tickets and I really wanted to go to the Eli Manning number – retirement ceremony but i digress that's for His another subject getting retired? yes Oliver. okay anyway i love going to games i also think that home field advantage is lost with this i understand some stadiums are still outside and you have to go on with the conditions but Oliver, i'll start with you how do you think the coronavirus will affect the season so i mean firstly i think that the firstly um, Minimal amount of fans or even for some places, no fans at all is going to help level a playing field. As you mentioned, you're going to see teams like um, the Chiefs, the Seahawks, those teams where they have that home field advantage. I think it's going to probably quell that. And it's going to obviously you can pump in the crowd noise and have all the other effects that are going to help it. But it's not going to be as much as, you know, 60,000, 70,000 fans yelling in your ear when you're on offense. So I think that's the first thing that you're going to see immediately from um, Corona. Um, Secondly, I think that you know, kind of going off of that is that seeding is not going to matter as much in the playoffs. So I think that teams 
I mean, this might be a meta level of thinking. I don't know how many coaches besides Bill Belichick would even want to like, you know, go this far ahead. But I think that teams may not even be as much worried about getting, you know, out if they're not, obviously you want a first round buy, but right under that, I think if you don't get that first round buy, I think there's not going to be as much, um, you know, anticipation just to, or, you know, pressure to get that other playoff spot because you know that there's not going to be fans at either side. So it's not going to be like, you're going to have to work extra harder just for that home field advantage. Now, obviously, you know, some things could change by then and maybe they'll let more fans in and that's fine. But I think from right now, I I think that that's kind of where the league lies. And I I think that that should be what it is where you kind of minimize it as much as possible. But I think that's another big factor there. Um, And honestly, I think that there's also just a fact, and this is what I thought from the beginning there might not even be an NFL season. Like we might not even finish the season. Like there's a very good chance, especially without the bubble, that if there is no bubble and there's no, you know, restriction on who can come and interact with these players, you know, they're obviously going to be going out on Friday, Saturday nights to clubs, you know, what have you just doing all all, all kinds of things, extracurriculars, if you will. Um, I think there's going to be a lot of opportunities where people are going to get sick and it's going to become you know, to kind of a boiling point where the NFL is just going to be like, you know what, fuck this. Everyone's sick here. This isn't even worth it. If we're not going to do a bubble, we might as well just cancel the entire thing and postpone it. So I think those three are kind of – go ahead. I have this to say. I think that you were talking about how you think that the – you think that the – having no fans is an even playing field. So how do you guys feel about how the Chiefs are allowing – although only – I think it's sixteen hundred or sixteen thousand or something around that. Yeah, span. wasn't it like twenty percent? Do you think that's foul play? I do. Albert, uh, uh, you go I, ahead. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it is kind of foul play. Just, just, just because it's like obviously you want to give the same advantages to each team. So just because, just because you know you don't feel the same way about coronavirus and how it can affect your city, I, I don't think you should be making amends to. You know, just, just so you get a, a, a better play field, especially for a team like the Chiefs, where obviously you know that they're a contender every single year. So obviously you don't want them to be even getting a, an even bigger edge. Um, but and I was thinking this the other day, I think that there should be and this would even incentivize a lot of the people. And I'm not trying to get political here, but I'll, we're going to get political for a half a second, if you will. Um, I think there should be a thing where if you're main, if you're maintaining under a certain percentage or a certain threshold of you know, non-positive cases in each state or, you know, relating to each team, I think you should be able to let in a certain number of fans for each team. Now, I mean, I'm not going to work out the logistics of it. I'm definitely not smart enough to do that kind of thing. But I think we can hand that off to the experts like Adele and the other fellows over at the at the office, kind of brainstorm that and then just see where it goes. Because I think it could be an incentive to, you know, the more just the the the, be- the better that you that you do as a community as a state i think that could help your nfl team and i think a lot of people would kind of latch on to that kind of thing but that's just an idea i actually disagree oliver i understand your point with depending on your location you should be allowed to have fans in stadiums and i get that however the fact that the nfl hasn't implemented a universal fan policy kind of terrifies me with the fact that they don't really and truly have a game plan for coronavirus and it scares me because they've had the most time to come up with something compared to the other leagues now peter i know that you 
have felt this way for a while. And Oliver, I'm actually backtracking. I no longer think that the NFL season will be canceled because I look at the other leagues, and yes, the NBA and NHL have handled it almost perfectly, right? You take a look at the MLB, and it's almost been the worst-case scenario, yet they're still pushing forward. They're still continuing their season. I think, and again, I don't want this to happen, I truly think the only way the NFL season gets canceled is if someone dies from the virus. I think that is the only way. Now, my biggest worry is the difference between football and baseball is that even though baseball continues to postpone games, they're able to make them up with double headers. With football, you can't do that. You can't play two games in one day. You can't play a game Wednesday and then ask that team to come around and play on a Sunday. The only the only way is if you make that team, those two teams play their game postponed the following day. And I don't know what the protocol is with the coronavirus. So I just see that being a problem. You could say, oh, just push it to the bye week, but not every single team has the same bye week. So that's my problem. That's my fear with the NFL because I don't know if they've added more weeks God forbid, games are postponed. And the other thing, Oliver, like you mentioned, there's so much accountability on the players. And the difference with hockey and NBA rosters is there's so many more players on an NFL roster, which means there's a higher chance that someone is irresponsible and exposes themselves to the virus. Now, with allowing fans as well, obviously... Fans and players aren't going to interact. But, you know, again, I I really don't think anyone truly knows at this point how contagious the virus is. But you got to think about the domino effect. One person touches another and it makes it all the way down from the fan to the players. I think that the NFL needs to install a universal fan policy. I'm not saying for the entire season. Again, let's wait and see how things play out. But... It scares me that the NFL does not have a universal policy on fans yet. Peter. Yeah, I mean, all I have really written down here is I think the season does finish all in all. But if it were to end, I think it ends between weeks eight to like eight to ten ish somewhere around there. Mm -hmm. As far as the fan policy, I mean, I think that's like the NFL doesn't have as good of an idea of what's going on in each individual city as each team. So I I think that I think from the NFL perspective, it would be reasonable for them to say no fans at all, but I don't think you can sit there as the NFL and pick and choose who has fans because you're not really on the ground, like actually dealing with these people every day. You're not dealing with, and I'm sure the teams are in contact with state local officials as well. And I doubt the NFL is doing that for 30 different uh, cities. Oliver, what did you think about my point on on the fan issue and what I said about the season being canceled? Do you agree with me or no? Yeah, I mean, it's just such a tough thing because there's just so many variables at play here. No, obviously, Um, I agree. I agree. Like I said, I, I... I'm banking on. I don't. I, I don't think this. I think this is a hot take. I think the season does not end up finishing 
I, I think that there's too many uncertainties. There's no bubble. I personally think that the season is not going to finish and it's just going to be, you know, a, a, a what if kind of thing for the NFL and how mm-hmm. bad and it's just going to reflect on them for how badly they kind of handle the thing. Um, so that's just kind of where I lie on just the whole thing. I, I think it's just all going to kind of just, you know, unfold around halfway through the season. Two so things before that's where I two things before we move on, right? A final piece on my thing about the coronavirus. And I don't mean to sound like a broken record, but I think for guys like Tom Brady, guys like Philip Rivers, other guys joining new teams, I think it's also a tough position they're in to learn a whole new playbook, whole new system with a shortened and reduced offseason. But the second thing is, and you can comment on the first, but the second thing is, seriously, as a sports fan, do you look at this as a regular season or do you think whether it's your team or another, whoever wins or whatever happens, there's an asterisk on the season? Because, I mean, all right, Oliver, I'll admit you have the Yankees with baseball, right? The NBA, I mean, me and Peter are Knicks fans. Oliver, I don't know what the hell you are, but I don't think you have any – I'm a peaceful watcher. Yeah, I like all. He okay, claims so, to be. He claims to be a Knicks fan if he if they're good. Okay, but so they've but, been good but, in a while, so he's not a Knicks fan. But the main point, yeah, no surprise there. The main point is you don't have a team that you're diehard for in the NBA, right? So you're not fully invested in it. In the NFL, you have the Vikings. If they win the Super Bowl, are you as satisfied as a fan? Um. No, because I know that that's going to be what everyone jumps to if they don't win. It's like, oh, it's gonna, it's a, it's a Corona season. You know, we had people opting out, so I think that I'm so not in it because a, I don't think they're going to win. B, I think that there's going to be so many people that jump on the train of it doesn't count that I'm just not even invested in the season at all. Okay, Peter, what about you? Hold on, Oliver, you're not even moderately invested in the season. No, <laughs> they won't win. I. <laughs> okay, well, uh, I moving on from that. Um, I I don't see how there's an asterisk. Truthfully, if they play 16 games, they play 16 games. And whether there's fans in the stadium or not, like if you're a good team, you're gonna win. If you're a bad team, you're not. And I know it's not that I couldn't dry in the NFL, but if I don't think that you can sit there and say that, like for example, week 14, the Jets are market, marching into Seattle, where there's generally a ridiculously loud and ravenous crowd there i don't think necessarily the jets are going to come in and embarrass the seahawks simply because they're at home there's such a big skill difference in that in in that game or in in plenty of games where if there's a crowd i think it just kind of neutralizes everything i I don't really understand i don't understand how you can sit there and say there's an asterisk truthfully oliver i mean i look at it from the way that uh, on top of that that there's players i mean you you had cj mosley opt out I had Michael Pierce opt out, which would have given the Vikings the best defensive line in the NFL, but that's another Stop. discussion. Um, I mean, I think there's just key Sam Beal for the Giants out. dropped out. Big loss there. Who? Sam Beal. Oh, I don't know who that is. But anyway. <laughs> yeah, like, all, um, five people that, all five people that know who he is is probably very devastating. Right, so. yeah, they must be pissed. Um, but, but anyway, um, I just think that the fact that if your player, if one of your key players are opting out and your team's not at full strength, why would you not say there's an asterisk when you have the option to say that there's literally I agree, Oliver, but I don't think enough big time players opted out. Well, yeah, right, not 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 right now. But what happens if someone opts out like week six or week nine? What if what happens if it's the deadline already happened though? 
you can still opt out and just not get your money. I mean, if you're a quarterback, you can opt out and still be filthy, filthy rich, as most of these guys would probably be anyway. I mean, I'm not disagreeing with that, but I think that I think that if you're a player on the team, I think you had to give your team the appropriate heads up as a guy. I think everybody who's still sticking their head in there is going to be on the no, team. No, I, I, I'm not arguing that, but I'm saying that you saw a situation where Damian Williams of the Chiefs, obviously playoff Damian, we all know that name, he opted out because his mother contracted COVID and he knew that it was going to be his last, you know, a few months with her and he wasn't going to get that opportunity. Now, obviously that's a brutal situation, but I'm saying that these are situations that you can't plan for. And these are wild situations that involve family that, you know, maybe this will happen week seven with like, say, you know, Patrick Mahomes. I'm not saying that's going to happen, but what if it does you, you, as a chiefs fan, are you not going to say that there's an asterisk on this season because Patrick Mahomes? That's opted true. Out to that's true. I mean, I'm just saying there's so many things that could happen that aren't even happening yet that I think that there's still so many like ways to throw asterisks in there. No. And I think that you can't rule anything out, especially when, again, we have to wait and see how the coronavirus affects the NFL mid season. Right. Because I, I could see that happening, but right now, Oliver, I don't think that you can say that there's an asterisk on the season. Primarily because nothing has changed with the NFL season. Yes, there is no offseason. Yes, no preseason games. However, there's still a full slate of games, 16 games. There's still the playoffs. It's not like baseball where the game, the amount of games was reduced by over 100. And now they have the gimmick 10th inning rule. Or the doubleheaders are 7th in, uh, seven inning games. The NFL is still playing four quarters still 16 games i still think everything for the most part is still intact honestly the biggest rule change that i've had with the nfl is the addition of a playoff team in each conference i mean i i'm just saying is if daniel jones opts out you're not going to say that there was an asterisk okay so maybe well, to not be honest giants. with you over well, i'm not in... the giants fine okay. not the giants i'm saying as a team and i mean this with all due respect as a team that's looking to contend in the NFL right now, obviously the Giants are rebuilding. I'm saying as a team where they lose one of their key pieces, no, do you I, think that that would not be worthy of an asterisk? No, I agree with you, Oliver, but I think you're only going to hear the bitching and moaning from fans of that team. Like if Patrick Mahomes decides to opt out halfway through the season, I will say that I think the Chiefs were – very much hindered by that decision, but you won't see me up in arms about it. That's fine. I guess that's where we agree to disagree because I think the Chiefs are the free path to the Super Bowl. But I mean that that that's I think that I think Patrick Mahomes and most people would say he is the key to the Chiefs Super Bowl, right? No doubt. No and doubt. I think that without him, you're not even a contender. So I I think if I was a Chiefs fan, I would I, if I were a Chiefs fan. I would make a strong contention that this season should not count. But, I mean, it looks like that's where we kind of disagree on the subject. No, no, I agree with you on the Chiefs fan. I'm just saying NFL as a whole, I don't think NFL fans as a whole are going to be up in arms and be like, oh, this is an asterisk season. Like, no matter who wins, we'll end up saying they're Super Bowl champions for that season. And while I, sure. I completely agree Patrick Mahomes is the main key, the main factor for the Chiefs' success— I'm not going to lose a night of sleep over him opting out. Okay, that's fair. Yeah. All right. We'll leave it at that. Yeah, unless, wait, Oliver, there's another person in this episode. Peter, anything else? 
No, that's all I got pretty much. Okay. Um, so let's move ahead. Let's start predicting for this upcoming season. Let's start with the divisions. We'll start with the AFC Conference. And we were starting off with the division that actually has the defending Super Bowl champions, the AFC West. Peter, because Alvar won't shut up, you can start. That he won't. Uh, yeah, so on this, I have, obviously, the Chiefs winning the division. However, mm-hmm. I think that the Broncos are going to be very close behind. They've had multiple very notable like offseason acquisitions. They had Melvin Gordon. Although they had the departure of Chris Harris, they've had plenty of great players. A.J. Bowie takes his spot. AJ Bouye, exactly. Yeah, that's all the. I think that all questions that basically the end all be all is I think the Broncos are going to be within one or two games of the Chiefs. I'm not bold enough to call the fact that the Broncos are going to beat them, but I think there's a chance, truthfully. I think the Broncos are very. You're a believer in Drew Locke? I wouldn't say I'm a believer in Drew Locke necessarily. I'm a believer in the pieces they put around them. Okay. There's with Philip Lindsay and Melvin Gordon. On top of also adding KJ Hamler and Jerry Judy, who I think is going to be the rest, the best receiver that came out of the draft, I I think that he has way too many weapons on at his disposal, and I don't really see how other teams are going to honestly compete with that. Other than the Chiefs, who are just so over the top and ridiculous that they're obviously you to bet against the Chiefs to be ridiculous. Yeah, Oliver, you can go. Um, I think the Broncos for me are one of those teams that are. A, just a little bit too young. I think that you're going to need one more year of Jerry Judy there and Drew Locke's just progression before they can actually be like, obviously they have the weapons there. Um, but I just think that they're too young at this point where they might sneak in, you know, at that last playoff spot at like an eight and eight or nine and seven. Um, I just don't think that they have enough experience yet, even in the playoffs to make any noise, um, you know, in, in January or February. No, I agree. I also think that this is a, runaway division for the Kansas City Chiefs barring any sort of serious injuries or like you said Oliver any coronavirus opt-outs later in the year I think that returning well now it's 19 of 22 starters from last year of that Super Bowl team I think the Chiefs are in great shape for the upcoming season I think that the Broncos did add talent I do think that they're still too young I do like their coach Vic Vangio However, um, I just don't think that there are any sort of competition for the Chiefs right now. The Raiders, I I don't know about you guys. The Raiders are kind of confusing to me. I can't tell if they're really invested in Derek Carr or not. You know, they signed Mariota. Do you think there's any chance of him making an appearance this year? Put it lightly, no. Yeah. Uh, I disagree. I think that he has... I don't think it's going to have the Tannehill effect, but I think he's – I think that eventually during the season they're going to have lost a couple of close games, them being the Raiders, where I think that they're going to at least try Mariota and see how he does. And I'm not going to sit here and say that he's going to take off and become the starter for the next 10 years. It's a ridiculous conversation, but I I don't think you can sit here and tell me that Derek Carr has – an extremely cool scene. He's in no means, by no means, at least on the hot seat in any capacity. Oh, not at all, Peter. I, I, I think that they brought Mariota in just to keep him on his toes type of thing. And I agree. And I think also it's pretty telling that about, I don't know, what was it, a month ago now, 
John Gruden already started saying that Mariota has, I don't know what the exact quote was, but it's something along the lines of big playability or he's really good at using his feet. I don't think you'd be commending the guy if you don't think you have, he has at least a chance of becoming your starter at some point. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. I, uh, I listen though, the team that you guys didn't mention, but I'm rooting for, they, uh, they, are the Los Angeles Chargers. I really like Anthony Lynn as the head coach. I'm rooting for Tyrod Taylor. And I think that they have a very good defense. I know that Duran James just went down with injury. He's expecting to miss some time. But I like that uh, defensive line. And I still think they have a strong secondary. Yeah. I mean, I don't like to root for any team that's in hard knocks like it's nothing against hard knocks it's a great program um i just think that what i saw in hard knocks and i don't know if that's a good metric or not to measure a team by but i don't believe in justin herbert i don't believe in tyra taylor more than anything of like an eight and eight season um mike williams already got hurt so you have keenan allen that's that's pretty much about it hunter henry's okay um and then you have austin eckler who's a brand new running back who's like five foot eight like uh, and and obviously the Derwin James injury is a giant one. Now, obviously they have good well, veterans. Well, had success last season. Sure, he 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 did. But I mean, I, at the same time, I think he's he's a brand new running back. Like I I just don't think that like you can say he's like this stud. Which people, I mean, people like and I don't know if this is fantasy, but people are drafting him in like the second round because of how the, how good they think he's going to be. I mean, you have Tyrod Taylor, who's proven that he's a good backup quarterback, fine, and then Justin Herbert who played at Oregon as a rookie. Like, I mean, you don't, you don't even know if this is going to be a good offense. And if this is not going to be a good offense, like, Agreed. I don't know what, how you can just say that this is going to be like a decent team. Like there's just so many, like, un, kind of like, um, uh, what was the team where it's kind of like the Buccaneers that we were talking about before. There's just so many new, new things and just so many uncertainties that I'm not ready to just say this is, you know, a playoff. No, team. I'm not saying that they're a playoff team. I'm just saying, I think it's a team that we should keep an eye on. Because I think they yeah. they have talent at various positions, but like you said, the offense is the major question about this team, and the most important position on the offense is a major question mark. Because yes, I am rooting for Tyrod Taylor. However, the last time he had an opportunity with the Cleveland Browns, he got benched for Baker Mayfield, and then Justin Herbert. I think it's a lot to ask a rookie quarterback even in today's day and age to come in and be that savior for them. Right. Moving on. I mean, I'll I'll, continue. Go ahead. No, no, no. Finish it. All I'm going to leave. Oh, I'll finish with this. I'll keep an eye on them, but I'm not sure if I can keep both of them on them. Also, wait, just real quick. Keenan Allen is a complete fool for saying that he's the best receiver in the league. I think he's talented, but he's uh, top 16, maybe wildly underrated. Give me a couple of go rats and we'll see who's the real receiver. AFC South. Let's move on. AFC South. This is usually one of the worst divisions in the league. Still is. It still is. It'll continue that way. Yeah. Yeah. Oliver, you can start with this one. So my prediction, and this may come as a surprise to a few people, but I have the Texans coming out of there at 10 and 6. Why is that a surprise? So, I mean, I think that without DeAndre Hopkins, I think that's an entirely different offense. I don't think their defense is all that great. So, I don't – I mean, besides Deshaun Watson, there's not many reasons to say that they're going to be a playoff team. 
Um, I mean, obviously, there's the Titans who had a lot of success in the postseason beating the Ravens right there. So I'm sure a lot of people are high on them. I think that Ryan Tannehill, I mean, he had a fine year last year. But at the same time, going off the, the game manager thing in the beginning, I think that's all he is. And I think that he hasn't done that until last year. So I think this is more of an outlier season for Tannehill. And I just think he's going to kind of fall back to what he's been in the beginning. And, you know, if you can't have at least a decent play action game with Derrick Henry, with Ryan Dano, like, I, I don't know how you, how far you can get. And, and, and other than that, I mean, who else is in there? The Colts. I mean, we already talked about that. Phillip Rivers. Eh. And then the Jaguars, which are arguably the worst team in the league. So I just think that it's just the Texans aren't good or aren't great, but they're good enough to go 10 and 6 and win the division. Mm-hmm. Peter? Yeah, so on this, uh, we had obviously a disagreement on Phil Rivers. I I don't see how the Colts don't win this division, truthfully. The Jaguars are contending for Trevor Lawrence already. And the season haven't even yeah, started. Yeah. I I don't I, – Will Fuller, I think, is good. Is he your number one, though? I don't see it. No, they have Brandon Cooks, right? Yeah, Brandon uh, Cooks right. and, uh, right. and uh, Randall Cobb. They're basically the same that. player anyway, so it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Mm, okay, but <laughs> <laughs> I I I think the Titans are going to be. I mean, I'm not going to say a Super Bowl hangover because they didn't get there, but I think that people are certainly too high on the Titans at the moment. And the fact that you gave Tannehill the contract he did when he, I mean, one year Absurd. of success is Absurd. one year of success. Absurd. But like, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I'd be happy if my team played Tannehill, what whatever obscene amount of money he received. But from that, considering those things, I think the Colts are the most well-built team in that division. And I think that I'm not going to say that dropping Phil Rivers in there is going to yield you like a Super Bowl because that's ridiculous. But I do think it'll yield them a division because I don't see anybody dethroning them. I I got to agree with Oliver. I'm, I'm going with the Houston Texans solely because of Deshaun Watson. I, I don't think that they jump off the page in any area – of their team besides the quarterback position, but I'm a firm believer in Deshaun Watson. I think it is a mind. I think it was crazy to trade DeAndre Hopkins in the first place. Second, not even getting a first round. And then you bring in two receivers that aren't nearly on the same level as him, almost to try to fill his void. But I just think it's, I, I again, I, I don't think Bill O'Brien really knows what the hell he's doing to bring in Randall Cobb and Brandon Cooks. You know, I think I think it'll work more so because of Deshaun Watson, but I, to give Good away to give away Hopkins and then bring in those two guys, I just don't understand it. I'm not a firm believer in Philip Rivers. We talked about that already. The Jaguars are already going for the first overall draft pick to draft Trevor Lawrence. I am not rooting for Gardner Minshew at all. Minshew. Minshew, whatever. Uh, It's amazing how they've fallen from such promise. You think about the guys that have departed, like Patrick uh, Jalen Ramsey, sorry. Um, You think about them just releasing Leonard Fournette. Oliver, you got your guys got Yannick in a trade. It's just crazy how many pieces that they've lost. Yannick, Yannick, whatever. The Titans to me are going to be the Jaguars 2.0. Do you remember when the Jaguars got to the AFC Championship yep. and they paid yep. Blake Bortles that f- following 
offseason. I love Mike Rabel as a coach. I love Derrick Henry. I like their defense. But I'm sorry. That Ryan Tannehill contract is going to bite them in the ass. I have zero faith in him whatsoever. They will rue this day that they gave him that contract. Agreed. Agreed. And honestly, I, I don't know about you guys. I'll just ask you quickly. I don't know how much they talk to him. While I'm not completely sold on Brady, I would have given him the money for two years over Tannehill any day. You guys completely want to agree. Hear, you guys want to hear a sick joke? Yeah. So, you know how everyone is always waiting on uh, Tannehill to take the next step? Yeah. As soon as he did that, he tore his ACL. <laughs> okay. All right. And the AFC North, Victor? Yeah. A- AFC North. I'll go first with this one. I'm going with the Baltimore Ravens. Together. I really I really don't think there's going to be much competition in this division. I think the Browns, once again, will have a disappointing season, even with the head coaching change. I'm not a believer in Baker Mayfield. I think there are too many hotheads, too many big egos in that locker room. I know they improved their offensive line. I'm not a believer in the Cleveland Browns. The Pittsburgh Steelers, I think, are also going to have a down year. I think Ben Roethlisberger is going to, again, be defeated by father time. He's coming off a major, major injury. I love Mike Tomlin as a head coach. I think he did wonders with that team last year. I think the defense will be good, but I am not in on the Ben Roethlisberger comeback year. And then the Bengals are the Bengals. I think Joe yeah. Burrow will have you his. Stop right there. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I think Joe Burrow <laughs> will have his learning curves. Peter, what do you think? I mean, in this division, I think it's it's difficult to not say the Ravens. But I think where I think I differ from you a little bit is I think the Steelers are going to be competitive. I don't know if they're going to be up to the level of the Ravens, who are literally favored in every single game as far as Vegas thinks. But I think they're going to be within two to three games of the Ravens. And I think if they catch a couple of good lucky breaks, they might be within one game of the Ravens. I think they're they're basically the same team that they were last year, except for they are dropping in a quarterback who, when he left, was not necessarily one of the best quarterbacks in the league, but he definitely is a formidable quarterback. And when you had Mason Rudolph and Duck Hodges, and you went, what did they go, 7-9, and 7-9-1, and one, I think it might have been. I think there's a lot of room for improvement. And Phil Rivers wins them a couple of close games that they may have dropped the ball last year. Steelers went 8-8 eight and eight last year. I expect more of the same, maybe 9-7, and seven, and I could see that being good enough for one of the final playoff spots. Agreed. Okay, Peter, your division, the AFC East, and let's be honest, this is probably the most wide open this division has been since Brady went down with his ACL injury in 2008. Peter, I'll uh, start it off with you. Sure. So, I unfortunately don't think it's the Jets division this year, but uh, I think the Bills, I think the Bills win it. I don't think they win it as convincingly as people think. I think that Bill Belichick has a plan for Cam Newton. And to bet against Bill Belichick would be ridiculous. However, I don't think the Bills are even mildly a powerhouse. 
I I don't have faith in Josh Allen. Like I've seen multiple clips of him just tossing the ball fifty feet in front of his quarterback. Obviously, is an exaggeration, yeah. but I I don't see it. I don't think that he was the least accurate quarterback in terms of distance to the receiver or something along those lines last year. And I think there's going to be more of the same of that. So in close games, when you're playing against actually good teams, I don't, I don't see it. Uh, so I think that it's going to be the bills, but I think they're going to be an early playoff exit. Oliver. I have the Patriots for this one. Um, I think that it's not so much. I think this is more like the AFC South where it's not so much. Any of these teams are overly good. I just think that there's a weaker division. No offense, Peter. Um, I think obviously the Dolphins, they're in their rebuilding. So they're, I mean, if you, they go a six and 10, that's basically a Super Bowl win for them. Hmm. Um, I think the Jets, you can pencil them in at six and 10, seven and nine. Um, obviously, they still have about a year or two away from, you know, being contenders. Um, and, and it just comes down to the Bills. I mean, I, I think the Bills are the Bills. Like, they don't change. I've been watching the Bills for like the last 10 years. They don't change like any year. Like, they go just enough where they can where they're decent, where you can say that, hey, next year is going to be a really good year. But something happened where they just can't put it together. No, so I pretty much I mean, guarantee watching the Bills, you're going to be bored. Like, you might as well right. have another TV. Yeah. I mean, they yeah. are the easiest team in the world to bet on. You bet on them covering the spread, and you bet on the under. Other than that, nothing. I mean, they they, they are good for, you know, your, your casual 13 points a game. You have your – your one touchdown and a couple field goals, and then they'll keep the team to like 10 points and they're going to win 13 to 10, but they're going to lose to every single good team in the league. So I, I think that, and they also have a tough schedule this year. The reason they were so good last year is because they had a cakewalk of a schedule this year. If you look on paper, it's not nearly as easy. So I think they're going to run into trouble. So that's why I think that the Patriots are just going to, you know, it's, it's more on the bills being bad than the Patriots being good. But I think the Patriots with Cam, you know, Bill Belichick's already saying how much he raves about him. I think they'll have a still good enough defense despite the opt-outs, and they're still going to have Edelman. You know, Sanu just opted out, but they'll still have, I think, just enough on offense where they can stay at least relevant enough to hit 10-6. and So that's where I have them winning the division. I think with the Patriots, you have a pissed-off Cam Noon with a chip on his shoulder, and I think you have a Bill Belichick who has the most motivation that he's had in a while to prove himself. So I'm going with the Patriots. And like you said, Oliver, uh, you know, Edelman, there's still pieces on that team. The defense is still maintained for the most part. And I think that Camden will actually win comeback player of the year. The Bills, I think they were frauds last year. I think they're going to be exposed. I think Josh Allen will be exposed. I expect Stefan Diggs to not be a patient soul. I think he will become a problem in that locker room with Josh Allen missing him on a consistent basis. I... Is someone... What's someone doing? You okay? Yeah, I hear I, my voice. I, I heard that for a second. I think we're good now. Oh, okay. Uh, so I'm not... I think the Bills will be exposed. Peter, the Jets... I, I just don't understand what they're doing at receiver... And I think that their defense, I was looking forward to C.J. Mosley returning, but with him opting out, I think that defense will be very similar to what it was last season. And I think that, again, Sam Darnold will have trouble taking that next step just because of the lack of talent around him. And Peter, I just want to get and, and with the Dolphins again. I, I just think that they're a couple years away. Uh, they just drafted Tua. I don't expect him to step on the field because of that 
hip injury that he sustained in college. But Peter, I just want to get your opinion. Adam Gase, yes, we talked about this season being wacky and unconventional and being hard to judge players and coaches with a limited offseason. Do you think that he gets fired after this season? I think that the... I think the reason, the only reason he wasn't already fired is because the Jets can't set the precedent that they fire a guy after one year after not one being year. successful. Mm-hmm. But I mean, he's looked like a, he's looked like he was completely in over his head from day one. The only thing I and will I, say, I, they I, did finish the season strong last year. I will give them they that. They finished the season strong because they had a joke of a schedule. That's true. Yes, that is true. They lost to the Bengals last year. Yeah, yeah. picked Joe Burrow number one overall. Yeah. Well, so take that, take that as you may. But okay. yeah, I, I don't see. Adam Gase remaining the head coach of the Jets after the season unless they make the playoffs, which I don't foresee. I think that unless they make the playoffs or Sam Darnold takes that next step. Because, again, I I just think that it's hindering him. I think it's hurting him that they're delaying the true process because they don't have the right guy at the helm. Completely agree. All right, let's move on to the NFC conference because I want to keep this going. Let's start with the NFC West. Oliver, you can go first. So I think that, I mean, this might've been the easiest one for me to uh, put in was the Seahawks. I don't think there's, I, I think that the only other team that you can make an argument for is obviously the 49ers who were in the Super Bowl last year. I think that there's going to be a lot of regression from them. I think Jimmy G's trash. He had one good season. He's a glorified system quarterback who can't even game manager. Play. He's a game manager. Terrible. Yeah. But anyway, he's, they, he's bad. They don't have any weapons on offense. So I, I would like to just elim- eliminate them right off the bat. And the other team, other team you could argue for is the Rams. Cardinals, I still, I still think are one one year away. But I think the Rams, you could maybe make a case for. Um, but I think with the loss of Todd Gurley, you don't have a run game. Um, and then their defense is, I mean, they have the playmakers in Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey. But other than that, they're not, you know, like a standout defense. I just think it comes down to the 49ers and the Seahawks. And I'm so low on the 49ers that I think the Seahawks kind of run away with this division. Um, and I also think with this, the addition of Jamal Adams and just DK Metcalf another year in the system, I think that that, that Seahawks team – is just going to be a very good veteran team with a lot of years together where they're just going to seamlessly kind of mesh with, you know, just this season alone. Mm-hmm. Peter? Uh, for this division, I also have the Seahawks, unfortunately, because I'm not not the biggest Jamal Adam fan at the moment, but Bust. I, uh, yeah, well, <laughs> I, I, I agree with Oliver. I will get to it eventually, but I don't see the 49ers as much of a, much of a threat. I think there's going to be a pretty big Super Bowl hangover in effect. Mm-hmm. And I also, I, I, you say you see the Rams as a possibility. I don't at all. And the Cardinals, I think the Cardinals come in second place in this division, truthfully, but I don't think they have nearly the weaponry to become the, the leader of the division where Russell Wilson leads the helm. So from that perspective, I don't see it. Yeah, I'm going with the Seahawks too. I think that Jamal Adams trade makes that defense so much more dangerous. And like you said, Oliver, DK Metcalf had a great rookie year, another year under his belt, entering his sophomore year. I think that Russell Wilson, you know how I feel about Russell Wilson, top two quarterback in the league. I think that Chris Carson is one of the more underrated running backs in the league. And I think that that offense is starting to get more talented. It's not just only on Russell Wilson's shoulders. I think that defense has gone 
better, has improved this offseason. With the 49ers, I agree too. I mean, remember, they traded for Emmanuel Sanders. That was their big offensive addition, and now he's with the New Orleans Saints. They had another receiver go down with injury. I'm not in on the 49ers as well. I think that they still have a very good defense, and I think that their defense is good enough to win them a good amount of games, but I just think that offense is going to Victor. Yes. I'm sorry to cut you off, but I'm trying to I'm trying to reinforce your point right here. So the 49ers receivers consist of Brandon Ayuk, rookie, Debo Samuel, who's hurt. So those are the number one and two. And then after that is a combination of Kendrick Bourne, Dante Pettis, Juwan James, and former Bust Hall of Fame member Kevin White. So, I mean, there's not many playmakers out there outside of George Kittle. So that's why I just don't see that team. No, yeah, I agreed with you. I agreed with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I agree. And, yeah, so I think that – and Jimmy G, like we said, is not a quarterback that makes his playmakers better. I just don't don't see him carrying that offense. The Rams – listen, you could argue that the NFC West has two of the most overpaid quarterbacks in the league because I absolutely despise Jared Goff. I think that he was carried on a good defense and a good running game when the Rams made the Super Bowl a couple years back. I think that Sean McVay, the boy wonder everyone wanted to crown him after his first season as head coach, is starting to be figured out a little bit when he doesn't have the talent on the offensive side of the ball. It really irks me that Sean McVay also helps Goff read the defense until he can't anymore before the play begins. I'm just out on the Rams altogether and then the Cardinals I think again I I think they'll be I think they'll not be a dangerous team but you have to watch out for them like I think that they could surprise teams this season I think they're still a little young I love the acquisition like we talked about of DeAndre Hopkins still have Larry Fitzgerald I think Kyle Murray will continue to progress, but I don't think that they're at the state yet, at a point yet to compete with the Seattle Seahawks for the division. Agreed. Yeah. NFC South. Oliver, you can start with this one. So NFC South, I kind of went back and forth with this one. Um, I originally had the Saints at like 12 and four, just because like, I mean, they didn't really change too much from last year. Um, I, I think that, you know, Drew Brees is a little bit older, but he's still got enough to kind of like, you know, lead that system team that they are. But I, I, I went with the Falcons last second. I think the Falcons have too many good pieces on offense. I think obviously they got Todd Gurley. Um, they have another year with Calvin Ridley going to, you know, he's going to be progressing. And uh, you have a former MVP in Matt Ryan. I think that the Falcons, their offense is going to be just good enough and their defense is going to have enough pieces that are recovered from last year because people forget they lost. Um, I know they lost Keanu Neal. Uh, they, well, they lost Vic Beasley in free agency, but they got Austin Keanu Hooper. Neal back. Uh, Austin Hooper, well, they lost him, yeah. But I'm saying they're defense-wise. They got Keanu Neal and then Deion Jones back, which I think are huge pieces of their team. Um, so I think that they are going to have enough skill positions filled that they'll be the best team in, which I think is the best division, the most competitive division in football. Peter? Yeah, well, I I do agree that I think that the the Saints 
are mostly the same team. And I think that is enough for me to say that I think they're going to win the division. But I think that the team closely behind them is going to be the Bucks because I think there's just too much firepower on that team to not at least get them nine to ten wins. So from that perspective, I don't really see – and uh, the Falcons, for example, I don't really see the Falcons putting on much of a fight against the Saints or the Buccaneers for that matter. So I think they're going to finish a strong third, but I, I just don't see it. I am going with the Saints – as well i think that overall they're the better team than the Tampa bay buccaneers however i expect both drew Brees and tom brady to have not necessarily down years but definitely on the decline and i give the saints the advantage just because that they have like you said peter mostly uh, for the most part the same team as last year and i think chemistry and timing and everything bodes in their favor i do like I'm rooting. I'm not sure if I necessarily think that he's the answer long-term, but I am rooting, and I like Teddy Bridgewater getting a second chance as a starter with the Carolina Panthers, and it was very interesting. Matt Rule, first-year head coach, using all his draft picks on defensive players to revamp that Panthers defense, Luke Kuechly retiring. Listen, with the Falcons, I think they had— What happened? No, go ahead. With the Falcons, I'm sorry. I I do think they have talent. I just don't think they haven't been the same team since they blew that lead to the Patriots, twenty eight to three. And I don't think they'll ever be that team again until change actually occurs. Whether it's the head coach, whether it's Matt Ryan moving on, I I just think that they'll always have that dark cloud hanging over them, and I don't think they'll ever reach that peak, how good they were that season again. They might not. They probably won't. But yeah. I mean, they look good every year, so that's why I'm going with them. With the, oh, you chose the Falcons. Were you just not listening to my entire? Not really, entire... dude. I heard the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. <laughs> okay. he I didn't say one thing much. about the Buccaneers. I didn't even talk about the Buccaneers at all. I was all Peter. Oh, all right, okay. My Are you bad. fucking serious? All right, relax, relax. All right, moving on to your division, Oliver. The NFC North. I'll let you kick it off with this one. Division. Uh, yeah okay continue please your team plays in the division wise ass so i went with the packers here um obviously right um so i think that they are the better team in the playoffs there's no debating that i think that obviously aaron Rodgers is i think i believe he's 36 years old he's not to the point where he's going to be like just not abuse he's still going to be a very 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 good quarterback and although the Packers kind of fucked up this year's draft, getting both a quarterback and running back in the first two rounds, um, I still think that they're going to be just good enough to beat to to beat at the Vikings. The Vikings can't seem to beat them, or they'll go one and one at the best. Yeah, um, with the Packers. So I think the Packers just edged them out slightly. I think the Vikings are going to go ten and six, um, but I think the Packers have a slight edge here on the division, and they're going to come out at the top of the NFC North. Peter. Okay, I'll go. I, um, I'm going to go. Sorry about that. No problem. I'll go real quick. I'm going with the Green Bay Packers as well. I truly couldn't disagree with you more, Oliver. I expect a big season from Aaron Rodgers. I think he will. He didn't even have a bad season last year. It was just bad on Aaron Rodgers' level because we know how good that, as Stephen A. Smith would say, that bad man, how good he can be. So, yeah, eight years ago. 
not that long ago. Remember, it was his first season under LaFour last year. He spent his entire career with Mike McCarthy. And if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, he threw 24 touchdowns and two interceptions. So he, I believe it was uh, 26 touchdowns and four interceptions, but very close, Peter. Fine with me. Gold star. I, I expect a big bounce back here from him. I think that Jordan Love being drafted by the Packers in the first round will also light a fire under his ass. I think that the Packers defense showed that they got better last year. When it comes to the Vikings, Oliver, I don't think there's any question, even with Everson Griffin leaving. Thanks a lot for that, by the way. He went to the Cowboys. But I don't think there's any question about the Vikings. That's happened. What happened? Never mind. Go ahead. Okay. And even with Trey Waynes leaving as well, I still think that Vikings defense is one of the better ones in the league. Listen, though, I don't love... Stefan Diggs being traded and then hoping a rookie in his first year coming in and taking his place right away. I, I just have questions about that offense. I really do like Dalvin Cook. I'm, I just haven't seen it from Kirk Cousins. And I know you're going to pull some stats out of your ass, but at the end of the day, he hasn't made it past the second round of the playoffs. So I'm not a numbers guy. I hate bringing numbers up for arguments. But what I have are two different numbers. So Kirk Cousins, I mean, there's a lot of people saying that, oh, he's a game manager. He doesn't doesn't perform in big games. He's not good in the fourth quarter. He's not doesn't make big throws. So I have some numbers for you. Yep, knew that was from coming. The, from, from 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 the newly man who's not afraid of depth as of today. Oh. Average depth of target on touchdowns. Nineteen point two. Good enough for number one in the league, surpassing Patrick Mahomes, Matt Stafford, Deshaun Watson. Number two. Who was the first oh, one? Oh, wow. Who was he Kirk than? Cousins. Oh, he doesn't show up in, in the overtime games. He doesn't show up in the fourth quarter. He, he crumbles. Good enough for first in the NFL with the number one PFF rating, I believe, of 86.5. So those are just two numbers I like to throw out right in the beginning just to you know, just just tickle everyone's balls a little bit with those stats. Yep. Let's maybe tone oh, it down a Kirk little Kirk Cousins. I mean, it goes back, what, back to the RG3 days, back when they both got drafted in the same one. I believe RG3 was first. Kirk Cousins was fourth. RG3, you know, he had his run. Kirk Cousins took over. and had. But don't we see the same thing year in and year out from the Vikings, Oliver? We, in terms of what? Like, okay, yes, they'll have – a good regular season. They make the playoffs and then they might get a lucky yeah. win against the Saints like last yeah. year with the refs getting involved. But, but then after that, right. they don't go anywhere. But, but here's the thing. Kirk Cousins, you can bash him for all you want. He's the the last the first guy since Dante Culpepper who gives the Vikings a legitimate chance to build a team around. Now I mean, you can't even argue otherwise because your only other options are Christian Ponder, uh, 40-year-old Brett Favre, uh, Gus Ferrot, Brad Johnson. Okay, I congrats. Mean, you but, don't have many guys here. So but, what I'm but you have built a that, team around him, and you haven't gotten right. anywhere. So what I'm saying is that the Vikings, who for the last two years, Kirk Cousins has had two career years, both one-upping the other one from before, in, in, in the Gary Kubiak system – and then he what didn't he show up against had, the 49ers in the playoffs. The one, the he didn't show up against the 49ers. Say, right. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm getting to that right now. So the one flaw that you can say for Kirk Cousins, he does not 
do well under heavy pressure. He's not a Mahomes. He cannot improvise. When the pocket collapses, he's not there. Fine. I agree with that completely. I cannot agree more with that. However, he also has not had a good, even like a mediocre pass blocking offensive line for the last two years that he's been in Minnesota. In the Redskins, I'm not even going to consider that as part of even the sample size because that's the Redskins, and obviously we know that the – Oh, actually, no, Alva, you're going to get me canceled. They're they're not that team anymore. Sorry, sorry, that's the football team, the football yeah, team. Yeah, yeah, Thank you for that. Yep. So after coming over from the football team, he came to the Vikings and had two very, very mediocre offensive lines and managed to have pretty decent numbers, but, he, you know, he couldn't beat good teams, and that's fine. What did the Vikings do about that? Tried to get Trent Williams, failed a little bit because he wanted to go to a better contender. I don't think the 49ers are going to be better than the Vikings this year, but that's fine. His loss. What they did was draft Ezra Cleveland in the second round, who's basically a Brian O'Neill um, clone who's on the right side as a right tackle. He's going to need one year to develop, and he'll be our left tackle. We have Riley Reef still. If, I don't know if you've even looked at those numbers, but he recently got his yeah, contract restructured to where he's going to be our left tackle. He's good, not great, fine. That's another story. But what I'm saying is that I don't think the Vikings – with their offensive line, along with their rookie cornerbacks, who because they they remember they lost Xavier Rhodes, I know, and Trey Waynes, Trey Waynes, and their third string cornerback in McK- or their slot cornerback in Mackenzie Alexander. So they're restarting from scratch. So it's going to be a combination of Mike Hughes, Holton Hill, Jeff Gladney, and Cameron Dantzler. I think a good defensive little... line can mask secondary issues, though. I would hope so. I would hope so. But and I also think you have off. arguably if not the best top two safety in the league. And, right. Well, no, they have the best two safeties in the league, and then they also have the the third, maybe third best linebacker in the league, along with another former pro bowler in Anthony Barr, who I don't think is that good, but he's good enough to be the second linebacker. But anyway, what I'm saying is they have a lot of good pieces on defense. I think that their big issue is going to be their cornerbacks, and I think that, along with their left side of their offensive line, is going to be an issue where they're going to be good enough, but not great enough. Next year, I have them as a Super Bowl contender. That's my take. All right. I mean, I, listen. I think they're a playoff team. I, again, though, I think we're just gonna—it's gonna be like a broken record. I—I I just don't see them it's making not their year. Making, but like, I, I don't know. It's not like I Kirk Cousins said, is getting younger, though, Oliver. Like, it's not, like they—they they signed year, him what, because they thought quarterback was the missing piece. They got further no, with Case. No. No, no Albert. They got to true. the NFC Conference champ, uh, the NFC Championship game, with Case Keenum as their quarterback. Different offensive line, way better defense. And and they signed. Okay, I mean, I mean, we can go back if we went back in all, time. The majority of experts was would say. I don't like to get into the numbers, but I'm just saying that the numbers indicated that the Vikings had a much better defense in that year, and their offensive line performed much better. And they got lucky on a third and whatever the fuck throw it was to find Diggs to win it in a 70-yard touchdown in the Saints stadium, which shouldn't even have I honestly, I think that, Victor, I think you're underselling the Vikings quite a bit. I think they, I mean, last year they were what, Oliver, where'd they go last year? They, the Vikings went 10 and 6. Yeah, I think they, I don't at know a minimum, true, repeat that hard. season. It, I mean, it's I, I don't fun, think so. but No, that's fun, Peter. I'm not, I'm. I'm not saying that they won't have a good regular season. I'm talking about the next chapter. Kirk Cousins has not shown up in the playoffs more times than not. I mean, how many times has he gotten an opportunity? I mean, okay. So, I mean, is it going to become the move the field goal post back for Kirk Cousins show every single year? Because last year it was Kirk Cousins couldn't win a big game. 
what does he do? He wins an enormous game against arguably the best team in the NFC, maybe even the NFL. And then now it's, <laughs> oh, we can't win two games in the postseason. So, I mean, so if he wins two games next year, now it's, oh, he can't make it. Best to the Super Bowl. team so, in the I mean, NFL. The Saints were not the best team in the NFL last year. I didn't year. say they were. I said arguably they were. But what I'm saying is that if we're going to keep moving the field goal post back, I'm fine with that. But just let me know before. Well, I mean, so if he's getting paid like a top tier quarterback, he should get the job done. And what's the job? It's to win the Super Bowl. I mean, he's he had a, a he had a great one-two combo in Adam Thielen and uh, Stephon right. Diggs. So you're pro- so he you're had Kyle Rudolph. Point. He had a good right. running game. He had a good so defense. Yes. So you're proving my point even more now by saying that because if he had a he had a top two receiving core, one of them left. So now this is why I'm saying that they're not going to be good next year. That's just the that's the third factor of why they're not going to be good this year is because next year is going to be when they're going to have another year from Justin Jefferson and Irv Smith, tight end of the future, to let him develop. So that's what I'm saying. I, I don't think you should expect anything more. I also love Mike Zimmer. I think he's year, a top five coach. And that's fine. I think Mike Zimmer is a top five coach. He's very good. Yeah. And then who are the other teams? Oh, I think the Bears are screwed. Uh, the Bears I mean, are the Bears. Yeah, the, the Bears. I mean, and it's the a, Lions are also indeed the Lions. Uh, yeah, the Lions. I, I mean, listen, Stafford went on the field as talented. Problem is he can't stay on the field. No, he's a bum. All right. And then finally, the NFC East. Peter, you can go first. Yeah, for this, I have the I have the Cowboys. I uh, don't curse me out, Victor. The Giants are not making noise. The Redskins. I've said this for a while now. I do believe that the Redskins are going to be significantly more formidable than people think. I think that with the addition of Ron Rivera, and probably don't look now the most terrifying front seven in the league. Jesus. Uh, no, I'm telling you, uh, Chase Young is gonna, Chase Young is gonna take what was already a great defensive line, and bring it to another level. I think they're gonna be constantly in the backfield hounding the quarterback. However, they're not the number two in this division. I think it's the Eagles, who, I, I mean, I didn't see it when they won the Super Bowl, truthfully, but they won the Super Bowl, so I, I'm quiet now. But I, I don't see how this team scares anyone. I, I don't see it top to bottom. I think Car- Carson Wentz is special. But I think that's it. But I think I, I, there's something to be said about how Carson Wentz every single year in the playoffs shrinks to somebody who literally doesn't even play. And obviously that could just be bad luck with his injuries. But I think once you do it however many times in a row now, you got to start asking your questions. Oliver. I got the Cowboys just because of sheer talent. I think that the only other team that people are arguing that can compete with them, no offense to the Giants or the Redskins, um, I think that's the Eagles. I don't believe in the Eagles at all. I think there's always something bad that happens to them, whether it be an injury. Uh, you know, Carson Wentz obviously can't stay healthy. You have Alshon Jeffrey. Uh, their running back situation is kind of, you know, up in the air. Their defense is weird. Like, they, they've had all these weird little injuries that everyone's like, oh, once they get healthy, they're going to be a woman. It's like, all right, well, they're not. So they're not just – they're just not a good team. So I think by default, the only team that you're left with is the Cowboys, who I think are going to be very good, much improved – their defense is also much improved. I mean, they're still going to do the Cowboys thing that they do in January where they lose in the first round, sure. But in terms of coming out of the NFC East, I think that's a, that's a no-brainer in, in my opinion. 
Um, I'm actually going to disagree with you. First off, uh, you guys know my feelings on the Cowboys. I'd rather root for ISIS than root for the Cowboys. And Terrorist. I will not be saying anything on the Cowboys uh, positively. Uh, you guys did enough. And I'm going with the Eagles to win the division. I think that... You know, you take a look at last year with how many injuries, how many drops, whatever. They still found a way to win the division. And this division has become one of those divisions where no one actually runs away with it. And what I mean by that is it always seems like every single team in the division finds a way to beat themselves. And I think that... If Carson Wentz is able to stay healthy, which we all know he hasn't been able to do so yet, they they are the best team in the division. But here's a hot take. I think Jalen Hurts, besides Joe Burrow, will be the first quarterback that we see come in for a team because I'm expecting Carson Wentz to get hurt, and I think Jalen Hurts will come in at some point for the Eagles this season. So you're saying that you believe that Jalen Hurts is going to come in and replace an injured Carson Wentz, or he's going to be used alongside Carson Wentz? Injured, injured, injured. Wait, so why are you saying that the Eagles are going to win? Because I still think that they're the most talented. They had secondary issues last year. They traded for Darius Slay. I think that they're getting back guys healthy. I think that Miles Sanders is a... Good running back showed some promise last season, and I think that if if Carson Wentz stays healthy, they are by far the best team. But if Jalen Hurts comes in, they'll still well, find a way to win. You you can't just say that you predict that Jalen Hurts is going to be the the second guy to play when you're saying that the Eagles behind Carson Wentz are going to be the team that wins that division. I mean, you need to pick a side as someone in sports. I'm talk, saying right? I'm saying by far. The Eagles are the best team with Carson Wentz. I still think even with Jalen Hurts coming in, they'll still win the division. Okay. Because I have no faith in the Cowboys. My Giants, I am cautiously optimistic. I am I am on the Joe Judge train. Did you see his yeah. cute little video yeah, of him? Yeah, he scooped that ball. Having, that yeah. was like the longest yard scene right there. He's, yeah, he's going to get dirty in the trenches. I, shut yeah. up. Shut up. I am cautiously Your dad optimistic. Used to get dirty in the trenches with me, I think he? that if Daniel Jones didn't have as many fumbles as he did last year, he would have won uh, Rookie of the Year. I think that Barkley is healthy. I think that the Giants have o- offensive weapons at all positions. Yep. However, their defense, once again, I am very scared about. I do like Bradbury. I do like Logan Ryan coming in. I don't know if they're going to be able to get pressure on the quarterback. It kills me that they have the guy from The Hobbit as the offensive coordinator, Jason Garrett. That kills me, but I'm hoping that he uses Barkley and Evan Ingram well in that system. And then with the Washington football team, to me, I think Haskins should keep his head on the swivel. It would not make me feel good. The fact that Ron Rivera traded for Kyle Allen, the quarterback that he had while Cam Newton was out, in Carolina, I I have the the Washington football team once again in the bottom of the basement. I have the Eagles winning the division, but the Giants the team the team to keep an eye out for. Okay. Yeah, I mean, nothing to say about that, but okay. What? 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 
No, I mean, I, mean, I, I like think I think the only the only time the Giants are winning the Super Bowl or even coming close this year is when you're playing. Madden. Oliver, what'd you do? What? What'd you do? I Peter texting in the group chat. What? Yeah. Okay. You guys are screwed. This are you cutting this? Thing. What I'm saying right now? No. Continue. Okay. Never mind. Then. You continue. I hate you. This is definitely the last time this is going to happen. All right. Let's wrap wrap it up. Surprise team. Peter, you go first. For the surprise team, I have the Colts for right now. I I think that, I mean, if this is any indication based on how you guys have shit on the Colts over and over during this this podcast, I think the Colts – Okay. I think the Colts are going to be – not scary necessarily, but I think they're going to be a conversation of whether or not they can upset a very good team during the playoffs. I think top to bottom, they just they have it all, with the exception of receiver, where even there they have T.Y. Hilton and Michael Pittman, who are going to be very impactful. So I, I truly don't see how the Colts at least don't win their division and possibly make some noise in the playoffs. Oliver. Um, I got the Falcons here. Like, I'm I'm gonna reiterate my previous points, but you have an abundance of weapons despite losing Austin Hooper. You have, I think, a breakout season from Calvin Ridley. I think Ty Gurley is still gonna be very good. I think the injury bullshit. I mean, let's be honest. They have professional trainers. They have professional therapists to get him through it. He's gonna be fine. He's a running back and has arthritis in his knees. He'll be fine. Okay. He'll be fine. Yep. I forgot. And Dr. then the Fauci defense joined gonna, us. What was that? What? Anyway, um, their defense is going to be much better. Obviously, they sustained a lot of injuries this year or this past year. They're going to be back to normal. I think they're going to have an okay defense and a very good offense. I think the Buccaneers are going to be trash. I think the Saints are going to regress. And I think the Falcons will be your NFC South champions. Okay. Victor. I, I disagree with both of you. I'm going with the... L.A. Chargers. Now, I don't think that they will win the division. However, I do think that they will come out of the wild card, one of those three positions. I think that Tyrod Taylor will have a decent season. I think that they have weapons on offense. I think even with Derwin James not out, I think that their defense is very solid and will be able to win them some games when their offense isn't on the same page. And... I'm going with the L.A. Chargers as my surprise team. Whatever you say. Here, Peter, let's swing it over to you. He already literally went, went. He literally went. And we'll went. swing it back to Victor to transition to the next segment. And uh, disappointing team. Belled it off. Um, Peter, you're I up. I think for – thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think my disappointing team for this year is going to be the 49ers. I truthfully don't have much of a reason to say so other than the fact that I think they're going to have a Super Bowl hangover and just underperform generally. I And they also have a bunch of injuries and question marks at receiver. I just don't see it. I also, I don't think I would, if I was a team with a Super Bowl, with Super Bowl aspirations, I would not feel great going into it with Jimmy Garoppolo leading, leading my team and at the helm. I just don't see it. And it's not to say anything. I think they have a tremendous offense. I think they have an incredible defense. And I think that Shanahan's a great coach. Again, I just I don't see it. I think there's going to be a big underperformance from this team this year. Oliver. 
Um, I th- I'm going to have to go with the 49ers as well. Um, like I said, I, I think they lost. They, what they did, they tried to trade DeForest Buckner for can, does anyone remember? I forgot. I forgot his name already. But the the Colts guy that they got, whatever the Colts guy that they traded for the 49ers to get in the first round. Nonetheless, whoever defensive tackle that was, they tried to upgrade it. The thing is that they're a, a title contending team right now, so I don't know why they're trying to rebuild their D tackle when they already have an elite D tackle. Um, Javon Kinlaw. Yes, exactly. Um, aside from that, Jimmy G's trash. He had one good year led by his running game, which they're not going to – Kyle Shanahan's going to get found out within one year. I mean, he's not that good of a coach, let's be honest. And then, like I said, not enough good playmakers outside of Kittle. You you have Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, who's hurt. And then, again, we have a combination of Kendrick Bourne, Dante Pettis, Juwan James, and Kevin White. Victor, do you know who any of those guys are? Nor uh, do I. Yes, because so, I used to. Okay, what? Continue. So at the end of the day, I don't see them returning to their dominance, and I think the Kiara Mira curse is real. Okay, I, I, I don't. I feel like there's so many disappointing teams that you could rattle off, like, but like, I don't even cons- I don't even have high expectations for them. Like, I, I look at the Cleveland Browns and. I agree with you guys with the 49ers. I think I'm going to go with the Buffalo Bills to the point that I think it's going to get really ugly this year. Just because Josh Allen, I think, is going to have a very bad year. I think that defenses will... I don't even want to say figure him out, but there's so much... There's been so much attention on him having as many rushing touchdowns as Saquon Barkley last two seasons that people forget that he can't actually throw the football. And I think that Diggs being part of that team does not help him out at all. Yes, you would think an offensive weapon, another addition to that offense. But I think that once Diggs sees the type of quarterback that he has, he's going to start trouble in that locker room. Yep. Think about it this way. And I'm not a numbers guy, but I'll bring up numbers again. Kirk Cousins was one of the more accurate quarterbacks in the league last year. He hit he hit Stephon Diggs when he needed to be hit, and Stephon Diggs didn't have the benefit of Adam Thielen because he was hurt all yeah. all, um, all season. He was on his own. I mean, it was him and B.C. Johnson and a little bit of Kyle Rudolph, but other than that, there was no one. So he got his fair target sh- share, and he still bitched. Think about it, what happens when you have Josh Allen from, what is it, North South Dakota State throwing him fucking zingers 15 yards. No, Wyoming. Head. Whatever, whatever the wherever the fuck that, that shouldn't even count as a state. So if he's just slinging balls fifteen yards over his head, how do you think Stephon Diggs is going to react? Not in Minnesota, but in fucking sunny Buffalo. I mean, that, that's just the writing on the wall is right there. All right, yeah. I completely agree, Victor. No, I agree. Uh, thank you, Disgusting thank you, franchise. All right, MVP picks quickly. Uh, Oliver, go. Mahomes. Nothing else to be said. Peter. Mahomes. Yeah, I'm going Mahomes too, although I am rooting for Dark Horse Russell Wilson. Copycat. Yeah, that was fucking dope. It's a copycat league, though. It's yeah. Copycat league. All right. And then finally, Super Bowl prediction. Peter, go. For the Super Bowl, let me spoil it for you. I have the Saints over the Ravens. Fuck you, Oliver. I know you hate that. Okay. Oliver? Um, I have the Seahawks over the Chiefs 24 21. No, Oliver, you can't say that. You got to pick another team. 
Let me guess. Do you pick the same thing? What a hot take from fucking Victor, the sports analyst. Jesus Christ. Yeah, I actually did have the Seahawks <laughs> over the Chiefs. I think Russell Wilson has a good game, and Mahomes also has a good game, and it becomes a shootout. It becomes two of the league's premier players. Yeah, we get it. We get it. That was a hot take. Just end the segment. Oof. All right. On that note, I really don't know what else to say. Uh, Peter, <laughs> thank you for joining me. Oliver, I, yeah, don't expect an invite back. Thanks again for having me on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah hey, I had Victor, fun. I'll, I'll be back for the basketball segment, so yep, let me know. That concludes yep. this episode of Old School of Sport. And uh, until next time, guys, thanks.